Yo, yo, yo. What's up, my people? B Things, back to you, back to every single one of you for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. It's a Wednesday night one I'm recording here in beautiful Cincinnati on an overcast day. But we got some fucking Bengals football to talk about. Um, uh, pressers went on today. Most significantly, Joe Burrow's presser went on today. Um, learned a couple more things on, you know, developments going on this week, like the indoor facility being used for the first time on Friday for the players and coaches. That's going to be cool. I think made a bigger deal than it actually is. Like it's not a big deal to play, you know, inside of a fucking dome, I guess, you know, or a cover, but for this Bengals team, for the stupid nonsense that's been surrounding it, it is. So, that's neat. I guess they're just preparing for the Superdome. I think it's called the fucking Superdome. Whatever the hell. In NOLA. So, that's one of the things. Um, updates that have transpired from today's presser. Um, I'm going I'm to go over a few little things. To start off the episode, and then we're going to get into some real shit towards the end. And I think y'all know the real shit I'm talking about. So, we're going to start off uh, with some injuries, injury updates. Fortunately, uh, it looks good, again. You know, within the confines of this game, and how... Life in general, you know, anything can happen at any moment. You know, significant injuries, injuries that you don't think are significant or much more significant. That's not the case with this team right now, which is phenomenal. That's what we wish for every day. Above the record, above everything, I want these guys to be healthy. You know, just to live their fucking life, man. You know, beyond just a game. But, you know, when it comes to the health for the game... They're not too significant. So the guys that dealt with injuries from last game, um, obviously most notable T. Higgins and then Jonah, Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams suffered an MCL sprain and more specifically a kneecap dislocation. Ugh. It wasn't too bad. Obviously, it didn't completely put him on his ass, but um, uh, man, I I wish I wrote down word for word of what he said. I ended up listening to the presser he had today. Uh, talking about the experience, and he said, um, you know, as I saw the replay, uh, it aligned with what he was saying of, you know, he ended up just bending an awkward way, you know, he got a little twisted when a player was doing a move, and he landed a little awkward on his knee, he said it popped out, and popped right back in, but obviously when it does that, you know, you have some cartilage damage, you have some strains, and specifically in this scenario, a sprain in the MCL, so... It seems pretty mild. Um, it just seemed like a, a a real tweak. He really tweaked his knee. Um, him and T were both on the practice or a rehab field today. I don't think they practiced. Um, if they did, it was it was limited for sure. And excuse me, T is dealing with that ankle. It was surprising because the ankle was really. It was not a big deal from, you know, from my outside point of view, 
heading into Sunday night's game. But obviously, he must have tweaked it more. I wish I could have heard um, some further insight on him today, but I didn't. I haven't came across that. Um, if anybody does, you know, of course, you have that info. Um, I don't know the severity of how it was coming in, and I don't know what transpired in the game for it to cause him to go out for the rest of the game. It sucked, man. You know, you play 10 total snaps in the game. It's huge. You know, T's a top 8, top 10 receiver in this game now. And so it, it's a big deal. And, and we really just saw the ripple effects of a guy like him being out. Even with having the most talented receiver in football in Jamar Chase. You know. Um, but, yeah, on the injury side, beyond that, it's nothing too extensive. Um, oh, a significant breakthrough um, in the recovery process for DJ Reader. He was back on the rehab field today doing really light work. Not much of any lower body work, so you're not seeing much of, you know, agility drills. You know, he's not going through the ladder, no shit like that. You know, not bursting off the ball, getting down in the, you know, um, any stances like that. He was doing a lot of rope and upper body work uh, to get that stamina and cardio right. Um, for my 100,000 foot overview, I mean, I posted on my story. I'm sure you guys have probably seen by now. I'd have to guess four, five, six weeks still. I mean, the injury occurred two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of about right. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was six weeks. Um, this defense is really good. You know, of course, we're never going to be like, you know, Precautions like, oh, we're fine without you, you know, like a Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush scenario. Like, you know what? We're getting really good production from our other guys in here. So let's just make sure you're 110% before you get back on the field. We're not going to be like that. But I also don't think we're going to be like, holy shit, DJ. You think you're going to be good to go? You know, like some behind the table type shit. Yo, you think you're going to be good to go 100% in 14 days? All right, that's cool, but we need you tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't think so. I think the defensive line is holding up well enough, considering their backups. You know, Josh Tupo's fine as a backup. He is. So, I could see a really precautionary approach with him, especially a 350-pound dude. We ain't playing. Don't fucking play around with this shit, man. The last thing you want to do is to fuck around with a sumo-ass type of dude with a fucking knee injury. Don't do it. Don't do it. So. We'll see how that goes. Um, it's pretty much it for the injuries. Um, so. Top on to some of the pressers today. Most notably Joe's presser. Um, some of the notes that I heard from it. Ultimately. To sum it up. He was really locked in. You know, He's really locked in. He's really hungry right now. You know he made a quote like. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to work our balls off to get a victory and to go down there in NOLA. You know, he doesn't care right now about the significance of being back in Louisiana because we got to focus on winning fucking football games. Period. Period. There ain't no two ways about it, bro. So, we just got to get it. And I'm glad that he had the same the same mindset. We're all hungry. We're all hungry to get shit right and get shit to our standard, 
not just competence. Because we ain't a team that's just searching for competence. We are a team that has all of the capabilities to be one of the best fucking offenses this league has ever seen. That ain't no fluff. It ain't no bullshit. For anybody that wants to think that, rationalize yourself. Get out of your emotions and look at the reality. Look at the roster. Look at the top 11 on this offense and tell me they don't have super potential. We obviously aren't seeing it right now. Um, Yeah, and the urgency was real. That's the thing I loved the most. The urgency's fucking real, man. Like, let's get it. It's go time. Is it panic time? No, it's not. A lot of people are saying it's panic time. It is not panic time in fucking October. And I'm not sorry about it. Yes, is the 2-3 and three record bad? Fuck yeah, it is. It's really fucking bad. It's terrible. The urgency is at a level 10. The panic is at a level 0. That's my perspective, and I believe that's what the player's perspective is as well. Panicking is fear. We ain't got fear here. We got fight here. Urgency is fucking fight. All right? So what do you want to have when you're down bad? You want to have fear or you want to have some fucking fight? You got to have fight. We ain't got time for fucking fear. You want to have time for fear? Go ahead. Be like a number 14. Andy Dalton. I, I got love for Andy, but man, that's what would happen. When shit would spiral down, he was the first shit to go down the toilet. That's how it was. This ain't it with number nine. This ain't it with number one, with number 85, with 83, with our guys. This ain't it. So there's no panic here, guys. There's top level fucking urgency. There's frustration. Absolute frustration. Standards not being met, period. That's it. All right. And I'm glad to hear that in a calm manner, Joe was expressing that today. Absolutely no panic. Top level urgency. Now. I don't know the last time where Joe Burrow expressed top level urgency and he did not show the fuck up at a level 10. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. I I don't know a time to where Joe Burrow, because we all know Joe's an even keel dude. That's his nature. He's even keel. He's laser focused. And he says what he means and he means what he says. He don't express urgency a ton of times. But when he does, it has shown to a very high degree. That's one thing that's really encouraging for me going down to NOLA. Um, But, yeah, some of the most important notes I took from Joe's presser today. Um, Oh, I guess a little note I'll add as well. Um, Left field, but... Khalid Kareem was released uh, yesterday, and then he was signed back to the Bengals practice squad today after passing through waivers. Um, I don't know exactly why. I don't know the formalities of that. It was obviously a formality thing with the roster, whatever, how to transact him and how to get him through onto the roster, however they wanted to. I don't know. I mean, they activated Cam Tibbet Britt on Sunday. I'm not sure. I don't know. All that I know is... uh, that he is on the practice squad. I think where he belongs. So. Nice to have Khalid back. So. The elephant in the room. I've already exacerbated the point a ton. And I'm really going to um, finish it off. As it's Wednesday already. I am not the type to just continue indulging on a problem. 
as I've clearly stated in my stories. But to dig a bit deeper in here, because as I've said before, I'm not a problem indulger. I'm not going to indulge on them. I'm not just You can't just be a problem identifier. You have to be a problem solver. Identify the problem, solve the fucking problem. If not, don't bitch about the problem if you can't solve it. So let's go through some things. I will preface this with this. Guys, you probably noticed I don't go in much detail at all about the, um, a lot of coverages and defensive schemes like that. Cause look, I'm not a, I'm not a defensive guru. I don't know a, a lot of stuff about defense. I don't, I don't know that much. It was never a position. It was never, um, I never played that side of the ball growing up ever. I mean, I played some little shit, you know, here and there, you know, some peewee shit, middle school shit. But, like, for real, I was a wide receiver. So I was all offense. You know, all the fucking routes and all the shit and all the formalities on the offensive side, but not the defensive side. So I don't know a ton of the strategic things to work through what I'm about to address. The reason I preface that is because one of the biggest things is Zach and Brian and whoever else is involved in play calling. The our analytics team, um, uh, Nick. I'm gonna guess Nick Cross. That's a fucking football. Player. That is a fucking football player. <laughs> I don't know, man. We got a couple young dudes on our analytics team, all right, and they have the data and statistics behind what plays should be called, and what types of games. Brian and Zach go with the feel of the game. Brian has a few plays, typically three, siphoned down for Zach, and then Zach siphons down the three plays to the one he wants to call. Generally, that is how they operate. That's how he said that's how they operate, and that makes sense. I don't think they know how to beat cover two in this situation right now. I don't think they do. I mean, you guys have seen the stories. You've seen the pictures I've posted. Shout out to phenomenal people that have actually gathered the data. The data. I'm just reposting it. Um, you see each route that Jamar has produced on and what it entails. And how bland, vanilla, boring as dog shit the routes are. And they add motions in there as well, by the way. Like, they add motions like on the pictures that I've posted and you compare them to a guy that's producing very highly right below Jamar. I do not think he's better than Jamar and JJ. And you look at the routes that they are running. Is it that their offensive line is just that much better? It is. It is good this year. Vikings O-line is good. They've allowed eight sacks in five games. That's really good. But also Kirk Cousins is getting the ball out pretty quickly. The offense is so heavily schemed towards JJ. It's not even fucking funny. But it's producing well. Is is it that KJ Osborne's just so phenomenal that he's causing stresses for the defense? Is that Adam Thielen, a 32-year-old that is out of his prime, so dominant? No. Is that Dalvin Cook is just absolutely lethal and causing defenses to come up into the box because they can't trust themselves? No. My point is, you look at offenses that are producing far better than this offense— and there's no justification for why this Bengals team can't emulate production like that. There's no fucking excuse. Zach, we have overcoddled. Now, here, here's where I'm going into some of the solutions. 
we have overcoddled, quote unquote, um, play by what the defense gives you. Yes, play within the confines of what the defense gives you. But we have not been effective enough on the opportunities when we have a shot to take. We have been aggressive at times. It's not that Zach hasn't been aggressive at all. And also, it's not all on Zach, guys. Like, I think I went a bit too far with saying it was just Zach and play calling. Look, Joe can be better. Joe has not been as elite as he was last year. Like, his accuracy has not been great. And look, I think a reality is I'm certainly not making excuses. It's just a reason full accountability for how he's how he's played I hold that accountability as you know a spectator and observing him on the outside and obviously he holds unequivocal accountability we know he does but he had the surgery fucking 10 weeks ago had his stomach ripped open he's still navigating through that the nuances of the o-line that has gotten a lot better it's gradually getting better And we did just have a really fucking tough game against a good defense, not an elite one, but a good defense with a good-ass team on the road. Like, I mean, there's really not much more to say about it. Um, Well, there are a couple things. Um, Jamar could be a bit better. Uh, I mean, we can have guys produce a bit better, but... That's the more nuanced part of it because it is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Has Joe missed some throws? Yes. Have some things been off? Yes. So has every single fucking quarterback in this league. Have missed throws worse than Joe Burrow. I fucking promise you, each and every single quarterback this year has made worse throws than Joe Burrow's quote-unquote bad throws. All right? Understand that. We know that Joe has missed some throws this year. Look at every single top-tier quarterback and look at their misses this year. It's like, God damn. Josh Allen, some whiffs, man. Patrick Mahomes, some whiffs. I saw that Monday night game. Fucking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, these guys, they are still not producing in many ways like Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is fucking lacking compared to what we know Joe to be. Understand that. It is not Joe's fault. It is not Jamar's fault. It's not any of our receivers' fault. Not any of our running backs' fault. Uh, Joe Mixon, Yeah, a bit it was. Uh, But he got a lot better last week. It looked so good last week. He's back. The O-line plays better. Each and every week the O-line plays better. Yes, they still have some problems, but they're fucking good, man. They're good. Compared to the league, there's an epidemic in this league. And it's a fucking talent gap that's stretching and widening each year in the past 5-10 years of O-line talent to edge player talent. So... Within how the landscape of O-lines are in this league, our O-line is playing good. We have a top 8, top 12 unit according to PFF this year. In pass blocking efficiency and run blocking efficiency. Our weakest spots are our tackles that we thought were going to be our strengths. But not to get too carried away with that. Zach and Brian have failed to put enough stress on defenses when they're in cover two, a shell, and Tampa twos. And when they are just playing shell coverages in general. They are not pressing enough 
They are not stretching these secondaries, especially the back end, these safeties, sideline to sideline, enough. We are not stressing them enough. We are keeping everything too conservative and too low. We are playing right into what they want us to play. While for the most part, that's what Zach in the play calling in the scheme has to be. You have to respect the defense. The defense is good too now. These are pros too. Just like our offense wins, defense wins too. Our defense wins. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like we we it's not realistic for our offense to win every play. Alright? You know what I, I want to hit on that real quick. People gotta understand that, man. When we're a fan of something and when we're riding for something, we see it just in the lens of our fandom, of us being a fan for our team. That's just one team, though. There's two teams that are competing in this game. What about the other team? What if you were a fan of the other team? When you're pissed about your team not winning every play, you think, oh, they suck. Oh, they're not producing like I wanted to. Have they gotten worse? Blah, 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 blah. Fucking bitching. What if you're a fan of the other team? Prime example, like Sunday night, when we were not able to get the ball down deep. When Jamar, we were giving him the ball, but it was just not working. What if we were a fan of the Ravens? What are we saying about the defense? Damn, good job. You're containing Jamar. You're keeping everything in front of you. Good job, guys. We haven't let up one big play except that sneaky-ass play to fucking uh, Mike Thomas to where he got that yak and he didn't even know he was fucking going to get space to run for it. So... They are stoked about how things are turning out. We weren't. But it's a it's an illusion and delusion of ourselves as a fan to think that it's just one-sided. We are not good. We are not doing good. We should win every play. You got to break that because it's just an illusion. All right? That's an important note I want to add to this main point because we're not going to win every rep even with how great this offense can be, with the landscape of what this offense is, going through each position group, each player on this offense of what it can become, we all know it, it still does not mean they're going to dominate every fucking rep or every fucking game. Alright? So understand that. Embody that truth. Because it'll help you. It'll help all of us. To not have the illusion to think we need to dominate all the fucking time. Because we won't. And we haven't. We haven't at all. We have to stretch these. We have to test these safeties more. And I think a way that we can test these safeties more. We. Is to form. What was weird was that we were trying to get. I'll explain this simply. We were trying to put together the longer developing plays like the big shots in games one and two when they weren't there when our O-line was at its weakest. Now we've pulled back when our O-line has gotten better. It's ass backwards. It has taken too long for Zach to adapt. Have we taken some shots? Yes, we have. But it's miscombobulated. Now, I'm also... I'm not going to get into the nuance and the formalities of all of it because that's not my expertise. Just in the macro, our calculated shots are extremely uncalculated and out of sync. We don't have it. We don't have an established identity right now on this offense, and that is um, maddening for how talented we are. 
for how prominent we are, we struggle to find and to get our identity in check right now. We have a couple things. Hey, you know what our offense is like? It's like it, it's like they them and they bio. They them in the bio. What do I identify as? They them. I ain't trying to get too political, but that shit's bullshit. And, and and that's what we are. That's what we are right now, bro. We don't know what we are. We're just they them. No. No. Like y'all saw my SpongeBob meme a couple days ago. Our offense is like, hi, I'm normal. No, we need to have the fucking SpongeBob meme of the eyes looking the other directions, confused out the ass. That's what we need to be. Our offense to opposing defenses. They don't know what the hell to expect, but we look normal as fuck. And I saw another dude's post, and I put this on my story as well. It's like Zach Taylor is driving a Lamborghini going 25 miles per hour and driving to and from church. That's it. Like, what are we doing? So, I think you stretch, you test the safeties more. Now that we are having more stability in the O-line, and we had a stretch to where we were going against some um, easier defensive, some more manageable defensive fronts the last few weeks, We're not going against an absolutely elite defensive front this week, but a damn good one. A damn good one that can cause some havoc in the the Saints. All right? No, they don't have a DPOI, which is huge. But, I mean, they got Cam Jordan, who's still a guy. You can create plays with help of the O-line. Test the safeties. Test the that defensive backfield more. Don't just rely on the shallow shit. And Joe has to work more on getting shit downfield and finding TB, finding the guys that will win the routes. Like I said, I'm not going to get much deeper than that because that's not my expertise and I know I'm not that knowledgeable with it. I'm going to respect that boundary. But within what I know, test the safeties more. Go to the sidelines more. Work on the hashes more. Stretch horizontally more in routes. One of the biggest things you guys have probably noticed with successors like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Literally, literally 90% of their production comes from sit routes. Sit routes. Sit routes is pretty much find the space in coverage. Pick out, pick apart the coverage. What you will see a guy like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill do, and they've had so much success with, they will literally navigate where a hole in the fucking coverage is. So they're running a route just searching on where to sit at. What we do is we run these super formal routes, which is normal. So an offense should typically run. But it's not just running with structure. It's running with effectiveness. So what Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and other guys have done in the league to be super effective and efficient and consistent. Don't you think these motherfucking defenses would run cover two all the time against Patrick Mahomes? With Travis Kelsey and Tyreek? Yes, they would. And they still balled out every fucking week. You pick apart the coverage with navigating through the spaces. We don't do that. Do we sometimes? Yes, we do. I'm not saying we never do. We don't do it enough. We don't do it enough. It has to be prioritized that, hey, um, 
we are going to set up you guys into sectors. You don't have to run a super specific route like a five-yard slant and drag yourself all the way across the field or run a wheel route or run a shallow post, run a loose post, run a streak, run a go, whatever the hell, run a fade. No, navigate yourself in a space. So Jamar, I want you 15, 20 yards and navigate between the safeties and the linebackers. TB, I want you to navigate between the hashes and pull down the cornerback. Like, work these guys. I think that's a nuance that could be added that these guys are completely capable of. It's just coming down to the scheme with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. How they gadget these guys to win place. Here's another relatable thing. The last point I'll make before I head out, y'all. Weeks one and two. What was the biggest thing we saw? We saw a lot of five wide, which simply means, hey, O-line, you guys, each single one of you, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, you're going to be on an island by yourself. Good luck. How did that work with guys that were rusty and had no chemistry together? It went bad. Plus, we went against two DPOIs two weeks in a row. We were putting them in disadvantageous situations. Did that make sense? No. What did we do? We corrected it. That's the other way around now. We are putting our guys, our O-linemen are now being put in more advantageous situations and our skill players, Joe Burrow, is being put at a disadvantageous situation. Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan are having them walk up a slippery slope with how they're calling plays. So that's some of the things um, for you guys, you know, to kind of build on on what can... Um, allow us to grow from this what can solve these things i'm not the expert i'm i'm a passionate fan i'm not a super you know fucking uh x's nose type of guy on the field that's not me so i did the best i could i hope you guys appreciated what i could give um i think things are gonna improve though guys they will they will it's just when i don't know I, i don't know when they will you hope they do. But listen, nine teams went two and three last year. Five made the playoffs. Two made the fucking championship games. The 49ers and the Chiefs, man. This team can absolutely win the next eight of ten. Because we have the second most talented roster in football. Shit's just a little sideways right now. We're a team that's plus 19 in point differential this year. And we lost three games. Plus 19. We've lost three games by a combined eight points. The first team in NFL history in the first five weeks of the season to lose three games on a last point, on a last second field goal, on a last second game winning point. We've just been on the wrong side of some shit. We've had some tough games, division games. Come back, get shit straight. You can absolutely do that against a fucking red rifle, a guy who can absolutely get the job done, as Bengals fans know than more than anybody. But, you know, has flaws. We can absolutely make shit happen in NOLA. Let's do that. So, appreciate you guys for listening to the All Things Bengals podcast. I will be back with y'all on Friday for my predictions and pregame shit. So, let's get it. Appreciate y'all for listening to the All Things Bengals podcast. Talk to you later. Peace.